welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Morning. Good to see everybody. Well, what an amazing experience we've had as a church recently. If you're you're a guest, we've been in a a process over about six months where we've been in escrow on a, a piece of property that we entered escrow on. On July the 19th, and it is the former Riverside Swim and Tennis Center. It's on Alessandro and Glen Haven as you're heading down the hill uh, towards the 91 freeway. And it is something that, that came up in the summertime. We had looked at that opportunity or that piece of uh, real estate about two years before, and the price was just really uh, high, and so we were watching it. And anyway, in, in July, it dropped to about $2.1 million dollars. And we were able to enter escrow. There was uh, three offers, and they went with our offer. Now, before that, we as a church had uh, given $348,000 in what was called PrEP. It was a fund where a building and expansion fund that we had, in faith, begun saving for the future. And uh, in, in previous years, we didn't hold a savings. We just, everything that would come in would go f- towards moving the mission forward, but a few years ago, we sensed it was time to begin to save for the future. We didn't know when that would be. We didn't know where in town or, or how many years down the road. And so, but 300 and nearly $350,000 had been given uh, above and beyond regular giving here. And that really uh, is a remarkable amount of money uh, given in faith uh, towards the future. And so now over the past three months, we, we hit a point once we entered escrow on this property, once we began to see what it was going to take to close the uh, sale, we, we knew we were going to need at least another $400,000. And so we set a, an audacious goal of $400,000 above that three hundred forty-eight. So, you know, we were trying to raise about $750,000 so we could close on it. And in about, well, here's the, here's the, as of uh, I think yesterday, 446,000. So we blew past that goal of, of 400,000. So in just 90 days, uh, a lot more than what was given in the previous two years. And so towards our building and expansion fund, it's so amazing. Now we have had a bunch of partners from the outside that in the, in the final days of before hitting our goal, people began uh, sending checks as well to just help us with our effort. And so I wanted to recognize the many partners that have come alongside us. Uh, take a look at this. Mostly churches, but Church in the Valley, Ontario Ranch, that's the church that started our church. I was on staff there. They launched us to start this church. Anyway, they sent uh, a check from their Christmas offering. And then Church in the Valley, Alhambra, also sent a check from their Christmas offering. Uh, Ridgeview Church in North Montana, a new church that we helped start uh, this past year and it, they actually said, we want to help with this. And so people from Ridgeview uh, sent some money. The California Southern Baptist Convention, they actually sent some money early on when we were just sort of uh, beginning this uh, additional push for uh, $400,000 additional dollars. They sent some seed money to just sort of help us uh, move forward. Hope Church in Fort Worth, Texas, Chico Community Church, and then the Grove Church in, in Kansas City, Missouri. And, so, and then beyond that, just friends and family outside of, of OCC. Uh, maybe some of your family members, because people were sharing it on social media, and so others were getting in as we were nearing those final days and hours. And so we are so grateful for the boost 
that God gave. He, he gave a boost of support near the end to really help uh, push us over that goal. And here's the thing. These partners, uh, we, we actually internally had to be uh, committed to this first. We had to be committed to this first. Um, because... If we weren't committed to this first, I don't think the, I think what happened was the needle started moving and they saw, wow, this, this may actually happen. And, and so partners stepped in to say, hey, let's, let's be a part of this and help. Um, but it really started with the giving that came out of this place where so many of you sacrificed. And so I'm going to kind of nerd out for a moment, but here, here are some, some gifts of, of all sizes that has come in to this, uh, Building Expansion Fund. For our entire effort of Building Expansion Fund, uh, this is sort of how it, it played out. R- ranging from 149 uh, individuals giving anywhere up to about $500. Uh, 30 at 500 plus, 50 at 1,000 plus, and on and on and on. You see two at over $50,000. And so really gifts of, of, of all sizes. That's the point there. Gifts of all sizes. God did this uh, through... Uh, a lot of people, not just giving equal amounts, but what we said was it's not about equal amounts. It's about equal sacrifice. And so go before God and say, God, what do you want me to give and how do you want me to give it? And so uh, so many of you had you know, took that seriously. And, and at some point in the last several months, you, you sat before God and you wrestled through that question. God, what do you want us to do? And then you responded. And so now this gifts of all sizes, but then also given from people of all ages. Take a look at this. So this is, I think, what was uh, what was trackable, at least. Uh, there's there's gifts that weren't trackable as far as if they came um, and it wasn't indicated who the giver was. Um, but as far as what went into our database, our financial administrator crunched all these reports, and this is what we've this is what we've got. It's pretty encouraging, isn't it? Of all ages, if you're in that 18 to 29 group, that's pretty exciting. That's actually that's that's really exciting. I I said when we were first starting this thing, I, I said I think the 18 to 29 year olds might be the swing. The swing, not the swing vote, but the swing givers in this thing, um, because uh, they're at a point where uh, there's a lot of you around, <laughs> and you can make a big difference. And I hope that encourages you. I mean, 30s, I mean, under 18. The very first gift was given uh, to the Building Expansion Fund was from a child, $20. The very first gift two years ago was from a child who sold something that he made and gave that <laughs> 30s, uh, $244,000. The 30s are building years. You're trying to build things, not, not necessarily build your own house, but build your lives, build your careers, maybe, maybe build your family. Uh, not necessarily the time when you're thinking, hey, let's, let's give $244,000 collectively <laughs> towards a building that may be built years from now. 40s, the fire years. Life is on fire in your 40s, you know? It's tough. It's tough. It costs a lot of. Uh, there's not enough. It doesn't seem like there's enough, but yet, look what God did through that group. And then 50 plus, at a time when you could just decide to say, you know, I've done a lot in my life to extend more and to give so sacrificially and generously. At a time when you could say, you know what, I'm, I'm done with that. I'll let the next generation do it. No, you're investing in 
what God is doing here and now and into the next generation. So praise God for what he has done. We're so excited to see just the sacrifice that has gone on. And some gave in the very beginning, and some gave at the very last moment. <laughs> but what a joy to have done this together. I mean, I'm sure some, uh, you know, all sorts of emotions have probably went through your, you know, body and your mind. I mean, I've had thoughts of, like, excitement to... <gasps> Fear and panic and worry and, and, and joy and impatience and peace. So there's just been a wide range of emotions through this experience. Probably all sorts of thoughts that we've all had that we didn't express. <laughs> like, we're not going to make it. <laughs> but you're keeping it between your, your ears. Or maybe you didn't keep it between your ears, but you try to keep it to yourself. you know. And, and uh, this has been the steepest hill we've climb so far as a church and and i think the joy is we got to do this together as a group that's the joy is someone could have just walked in the door at one point in the last three months and written a check for everything that was needed i've read stories about that and i've heard stories like that and if god sent you this morning to do that then i'm not saying don't do that Because this is a long marathon journey in the years ahead of, of building out the phases of a campus. But this was particularly sweet because we got to do this together as a group. Our, our unity, our faith, our sacrifice seems to have really been blessed by God. And, and God boosted our efforts and, and helped us exceed the goal. And so if you sacrificed and you gave, you, you really get to share in the joy and the blessing of this whole experience. It's something that God did in these last three months it's something that I don't think we're going to forget. I think it's one of these moments where we'll look back and say, look at what God did through this uh, young church, 12 years old, as a church. Praise the Lord. That's, that's all we can say is praise the Lord. This is really in uh, the, the, the way you see how many people got involved in this. Praise the Lord. This is in line with what people in the Bible did. We, we sensed an opportunity was coming, and so we set, we set out a few years ago to pray and to respond. Uh, look at Exodus 25. We looked at this when we began prep. This is to lay up resources to build the tabernacle, a moving sanctuary to allow for worship. And, and as they were, the Israelites were journeying through the wilderness, we're sort of like a tabernacle church. We set up and we tear down. So we've been able to identify with the tabernacle for many years. But the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. Because they were going to they were going to create this structure that would be a portable uh, worship uh not facility, but a, a, a church on the move, in a sense. You are to receive the offering for me for each man who's, from each man whose heart prompts him to give. The sense here is, Moses said, tell the people to, God told Moses, tell the people to pray and then respond to what I tell them to give. And that's really what we ask people to do through this. And then to expect and pray for the right opportunity in time. And we did. We we. Brought, kept bringing this to God. As resources have been coming in, God, would you send us the right opportunity? Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. So we, we, we sensed there was an opportunity, and people gave, and then we seized an opportunity that came. So when this opportunity came, we seized it. You sacrificed willingly. Uh, and it takes sacrificial, just unselfish people to do something like this. It really does. This took 
us to a place that we've not been before as a group. It, t- it takes a group of trailblazers and, and pioneers to do that. And many have been stunned and shocked at generosity, at the generosity that is poured out. Many of us here have just been like oh, in awe of what God has done. And so I want to direct our attention to the, to the God who made all of this possible. It's really not about us that the goal was surpassed. It's really what God has done um, in and through us. But look at David's words, King David's words, after an outpouring of generosity. They were, they were laying up resources to build a temple that David would not actually see. His job, his assignment was to lay up resources, and then Solomon would construct the temple. But there was this huge outpouring of generosity, a, a huge amount of resources given to, to eventually construct the first temple. Look at what David declared. This is First uh, Chronicles 29. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, O Lord, God of our Father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You're the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and we praise your glorious name. He's, he's seen this outpouring of generosity and he's just saying, God, we praise you. And then get this. David says, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this. Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We are aliens and strangers in your sight, as were all our forefathers. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. O Lord, our God, as for all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name, it comes from your hand, and all of it belongs to you. You see, we're simply conduits. God gives resources that then pass through our lives to accomplish what he wants done in this world and on into eternity. We're conduits. And and I want you to see this video. We've been talking about how this has been like a pole vault, and we'll see if we get over the bar. I want to highlight this video. And there is Mondo Duplantis that 605 has already bettered the world under 20 record. And oh my God, he goes clear. Six meters and five centimeters. He's 18 years old. He's just 18 years old. Oh, sorry. <laughs> he can't believe it himself. I can't believe Who it. Who can? Three were vaulted higher than him. Fourth highest pole vault of all time. Look at this. And look, it's not even close. That's sort of what happened. God allowed us to clear the bar. Praise the Lord. I mean, it's so exciting. He was in, he was in shock, and so was everybody, because he's, he's 18. He's the youngest. And I think that resembles what many of us have been feeling like, God, how are you going to do this through us? We're a younger church, this, but this may really happen. So... Glory to God. He boosted all of our efforts. Now, our property purchase team met on Wednesday night, and we decided to, to go for it. Okay? So we're, we went for it. <laughs> and we, on Thursday, we wired, you know, money was wired to the seller, uh, more money at least. 
Lord willing, we'll close sometime near the end of January. Uh, that is our uh, plan. We negotiated a little longer, t- a little longer escrow period to allow for strange things that might come up. But our hope is to still close by the end of January. And and there it is, right there, future home of OCC. Let's give the Lord a hand. <laughs> Off to the, off to the right are, those are just townhomes, those are structures, neighboring community, uh, those white structures. Uh, but those two existing buildings are the ones that would be the first to remodel near the end of, of, of 2020. Once we get our entitlements, which it could take, they've said six to nine months to gain entitlements, we can actually start, uh, beautifying the property, cleaning it up, uh, once we take possession of it late January. And so we're excited about what God will do. Uh, there. It'd be exciting to get to actually step into this. And so look, look forward to that, uh, in near the end of January where we can actually get on the property. Uh, here's a summary of why we decided to go forward as a property purchase team. I tried to sort of summarize, but we have just seen God's hand so clearly in control. His invisible hand of providence has been so evident through this journey. He just said, wow, God, God's really in control. If he wants this done, then he, he's going to have to do some amazing, miraculous things. And he's done it. He's, meetings we couldn't put together were secured. Dollars that we couldn't have predicted would come in were, were given. Uh, a verbal appraisal was provided hours before our property purchase team met. It was just a verbal appraisal. We didn't actually get the, the written appraisal until the morning. Uh, but uh, there was a verbal appraisal given with a basic range so that we at least knew what we were uh, deciding on. Uh, civic leaders, you know, community leaders that we shouldn't have been able to interact with have leaned in to really help us with this effort. And so we've just seen, wow, God, you're in control. And then uh, the people of OCC have just been so on board with this. And so pray that we get everything ready uh, for final close details near the end of January. Pray that funds continue to come in. Uh, to our building expansion fund because it's gonna, it's taking everything we have. We'll drain all possible accounts to do this. Uh, and, and it's, it, it'll be moving into 2020 with a lot of faith for God's continued provision just for all that's needed operationally. Um, we, you know, for our reserves, it's taking everything we've got. And so, uh, we're trusting God and we're keeping our eyes on Him as we move forward in faith. Let's pray as we thank Him. Father, thank you for your, your kindness to allow us to be a part of this. What a joy, Lord, to have been a, a part of something um, so uh, just faith-filled. At so many points, we, we could not see our way forward. We could not. We didn't know uh, if you would come through. We, we went knowing that perhaps you would, and we were just committed to walk in faith and to to express our faith in tangible ways. And God, I just thank you for each person who has sought you and and has uh, got to know you in a deeper way through this journey. Thank you, God, for supplying the resources that we've given back to you. May you multiply those, God. May you um, add to our fund, even through the holiday season, Lord. I pray that um, you would just continue to bless and boost our efforts, Lord. You know all that we need to get through this Uh, season and the challenges that lie ahead you know them all give us the strength lord for the marathon of extra giving as in the years ahead lord we pray that you you would give us help and courage and faith to trust you we praise you father for what you've allowed us to do together in jesus name we pray amen 
I want to turn our attention to the Christmas story, and so I invite you to take out this listening guide right here. And, and for some of you, this may be a very familiar passage. Luke chapter 2. For others, it may be that this is the first time you've heard this story. And I want to read to you a passage that describes, it's one of the narratives of the birth of Jesus. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Luke is a, uh, the author here. He's a doctor. He's very concerned with chronology and detail. And so, let's take a look. It says Luke, Luke 2, 1 says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now this whole story, when you read it, it can seem so random from our limited perspective. It just seems some of the details are pretty random, but this all fits into God's perfect plan. I want to highlight three aspects very quickly of God's plan. Number one, it was established in history. God's plan is established. It's rooted in historical fact in people and so take a look at this look at look at the people identified again in luke chapter 2 verse 1 through 3 in those days caesar augustus he issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire roman world and this was also taking place while this man quirinius was the governor of syria and so roman official quirinius who had a region he was responsible for okay but two individuals that are historical figures caesar augustus here's a picture of caesar You've probably heard of Caesar, or maybe you've seen his picture. Uh, the emperor of Rome, he issued a, a census. What this does is it places the birth of Jesus right in the context of, of world history. It's very important. It's rooted in history. To further tie this story to history, Luke supplies the name of a governor, Quirinius. Here's a picture, a 700-year-old painting of, of Mary and Joseph. I don't know if you can see it, but you could... You can certainly Google this and find this image. 700-year-old painting of Mary and Joseph coming to, uh, you know, say, present <laughs> here. You know, I'm Joseph. This is my wife, Mary. Or she's betrothed to me. She's got a baby. You know, they're, they're showing up to, to have their names added to this census. Now, again, the point here is Luke is saying, look, this is not a myth. This is not a fable. This... The birth of Jesus occurred in history. Whenever people in history are, are mentioned, then you can begin to separate the story from mythology. This actually happened versus, you know, there's a lot of stories running around the Greco-Roman world where you read the story and you're like, okay, clearly this is mythology. People are flying. There's these things happening. And you kind of think, okay, this is other world. You know, this is not normal. This is mythology. This is fable. This is a tale. Well, when you read things and people are referenced who really lived in places and, and time, it roots things in history. And that's very important. God was working out his plan that he established and rooted 
in history. Much like if I were to say, and here's the test for you, who was in office when the Berlin Wall fell? So think for a moment. Who was in office when the Berlin Wall fell? Anybody know? Okay, let's see who, who knew. Now, it wouldn't be unusual for us to read about, you know, the Berlin Wall and, and Reagan's involvement in that. Okay? There's, that was rooted in real history. There were, there were things going on that we can sort of trace back and say, oh, okay, that, that was, this is who was in trouble. What about 9-11 attacks? Who was in office during the 9-11 attacks? Yeah, George W. Bush. Again, the author Luke, this historian, he's just very, very careful to trace the historical roots of the birth of Jesus. That's very helpful to know. This is a, God's plan was established in history. Second, God's plan fulfilled prophecy. It fulfilled prophecy. The narrative continues. It goes in verses 4 and 5. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. Now, pausing for a moment, it says, he went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea. If you were to look at a map, we'll show you in just a minute. Um, to get from Nazareth down to Bethlehem, he actually goes south. So why would he say you go up? Well, it's because there's a descent. Okay, and so there would be a descent to go up, and so in, in elevation in a sense. But they went up to Bethlehem because he belonged to the house and line of David. Verse 5, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. So it would have seemed that this would have been a, the worst time possible for Mary to take a long journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. She's, she's nine months pregnant. She's ready, you know. The distance is, here's the map, okay, the distance is about 80 miles, okay? 80 miles would take most people about four to five days to walk. So imagine that, mothers. Husband says, honey, quick trip, we're, gonna, we're going to go south. How far south? Bethlehem. You know, so just try to get your mind... Around this, God was working out his plan. Look at this Old Testament prophecy about the Messiah's birthplace. But you, Bethlehem, this is Micah, hundreds of years before the birth of Christ. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come from, for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. There's this prophecy about the Messiah. The birthplace of the Messiah would be Bethlehem. It goes on in verse 3. Therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor gives birth, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. So, so Bethlehem has this prophetic, uh, it's a, there's this place that God is, is working and is planning to use to host the arrival of the Savior. But, Somehow, you got to get this couple from Nazareth to Bethlehem. So Joseph, he's betrothed to be married to Mary. Uh, she's pregnant from the Holy Spirit. She's carrying the Son of God. Uh, they head from Nazareth to Bethlehem. We see in the previous chapter that God sends an angel named Gabriel, that this couple has been chosen, that her in particular, she's been chosen to carry the Son of the Most High God 
and that they're to give him the name Jesus. The problem is that for this prophecy from Micah to have been fulfilled, Jesus couldn't be born in Nazareth. He couldn't be born there. So now certainly there's plenty of options for how God could have pulled this off if he wasn't concerned with what he'd said. Like there's plenty of other women living in, in Bethlehem that God could have said, okay, you're going you're gonna to have the Son of the Most High. You live in Bethlehem. Could have given somebody else this assignment right there in Bethlehem, but instead he gives it to Mary. And so how do you get this couple to the right location? Do you cause Joseph, Joseph is a carpenter, do you cause Joseph to, to just say, you know what, uh, give him a dream. I'm going to start constructing some new beds and some bookshelves, and I feel like there's a good market down in Bethlehem, and so we're going to take our goods down there and, and, and hand deliver it, and you need to come with me, pregnant wife. No. Or do you somehow convince Joseph that the birthing conditions are prime in Bethlehem and there's a new doctor in town and it's pain free um, and it's and just trust me, we're going to go there? No. So here's what God did. A decree goes out from the emperor in Rome that all the world would be should be registered. And so the entire Roman world is affected in order to fulfill this prophetic plan that God had. The birth of our Savior wasn't just some accident or some chance. That it just happened this way that this couple comes and boom, voila. No, this was intended and planned by God who is in full control all of the time. And it seems so out of control with our limited perspective. Uh, but this all fits within God's plan. He orchestrates and then he moves however he chooses. This is who God is. This is how he works. He's sovereign over all of the affairs of all of the universe. Finally, God's plan was revealed through humility. Very important. Revealed through humility. Look at Luke 2, 6 and 7, the next two verses. While they were there, so now they're in Bethlehem, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloth. She placed him in a manger. Now a manger, a manger is an animal feeding trough. I think of how gross my dog, my dog's bowl gets. It's nasty. And when it gets really nasty, I clean it. <laughs> and it's gross when I'm cleaning it because I use my fingers. I don't know why, but I just, you know. <laughs> I think I do wash my hands after that, but it's nasty. It's just gross. So just imagine the conditions in this cave. Jesus is placed in a feeding trough, dirty, smelly cave, dark, cold, because there was no room for them in the inn. Of all that God did to move the heart of the emperor, God couldn't clear out a room for them in the inn? Oh, like, you know, they walk in. Oh, yeah, you know what? We just got a vacancy all of a sudden. No, but the birth of our Savior inside a stable, a cave, placing him in a feeding trough, no rooms. Was this just a big oversight, a big miss on God's part? Like, man, I forgot that detail. No, again, this was all part of God's perfect plan. He is setting the stage, even in Jesus' birth, to show us what's about to come in Jesus' life. Look at Luke 9. This is in Jesus' ministry. He's now in his 30s. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, to Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have holes and birds of the air 
have nests, but the Son of Man, this is his title for himself, has no place to lay his head. He lived a humble life. From the very beginning of his life on earth and throughout his whole life, there's humility, you see. Or look at Philippians 2, verses 6 through 8. Speaking of Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Humility. Taking the very nature of a servant. Servants do what? The most lowly things. It makes sense that, you, that he would be born and placed in, a, in an animal's feeding trough. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Here's more from Jesus. His teaching on humility. He's teaching his disciples, Luke, Mark 10, 43. He says to them, not so with you. Don't be arrogant and prideful like everyone else. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served. You know, we, knowing who he was, we could have said, we need to roll out the red carpet for Jesus. But he said, I came to serve. I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So what we're learning is God is in total control. Of history, He directs the course of an entire empire. He positions a particular family to get moved from one town to the next. He sends his son with humble beginnings. Eventually, Jesus steps down and down and down to where he offers his life for us. And if you've never responded to him, if you've never responded to Jesus, if you've never asked Christ Jesus, to come into your life, to save you from your sin, to lead you into a new way of living, then we want to invite you to consider Jesus. Consider following Jesus. On the back of your, your connection card, there's a place that says, Contact me about. And there's two boxes on there. It says, Clarifying what it means to be a Christian. Maybe you just need clarity on what this all means to follow Christ. Or maybe you're ready to commit your life to Christ. There's a box you can check. I'm ready to commit my life to Jesus for the first time. If you've got questions, let us know. We'd love to clarify. What a joy. When we look at the story of Jesus and his birth in particular, we see God is working out his perfect plan. And, you know, we've seen that as a church. God, you're, you're totally in control. There's points where we get focused on what we can see and we get caught up in all of that. But, God, you have proven time and time again that you're in full control and we can trust you. And so as the worship team joins me, up on the stage, I want to encourage you to consider these two questions at the bottom of your listening guide or these two statements. Maybe how would you apply this morning's message? My next step today is to yield control to God in. Maybe there's a scenario you're just really believing and, and thinking, I can really get control of this area. Most of us have a control problem in life. And we think we can really control most of life. But maybe it's just a season of, as you look at the story of Jesus' birth, you realize, wow, God, you're in total control. You can do whatever you want to do, however you want to do it. And so maybe there's something in particular God is asking you to yield control of to him. And so I'd encourage you to, that's for yourself. Just jot that down for yourself. And then next, to, to choose humility. This, is, this was Jesus' beginning, his life, his ministry, his death. It's a display of, of humility. And so if you keep growing in humility, you will not regret it.
keep taking steps down in humility to serve others. And Christmas time is a great a great time to do it. You can be around a lot of people in the next few days. What an opportunity to serve people in humility. When others are celebrating and you think, man, I just love seeing people celebrate, I'm going to do the thing that would really be a help right now so that people can just enjoy this gathering. And uh, I'll look for ways. We'll look for ways to choose humility this Christmas season. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, again, we just praise you for your work here and in and through us. God, we praise you. Praise you for your perfect plan that when we read the the story of the Bible or we see this loving God, this gracious God making us. And even after we rebelled and, and went our own way, you pursued us. Kept pursuing us. Kept using people to call us back to you and And eventually, you sent your son, Jesus, to rescue us. God, we thank you for uh, the, the season that we get to remember the birth of our Savior. Pray that in the busyness of the next few days, Lord, we would take the time and the quietness of our heart with you to just to celebrate, to praise you, to thank you. No amount of gifts that we give or receive this Christmas will compare to the gift we have received from you. There's no way we could return back to you what you've given. But God, I pray that you would see in us a group of people who are marked by faith. Not just in this season, through this recent uh, effort. But Lord, I pray this would just be one of many milestones where you lead us further in faith. We'll, we'll trust you all along the way in this journey. God, we don't know what the future holds. But we'll trust you. We'll put our eyes on you. And, and so God, we thank you for all that has been done. We praise you, Father. And we uh, we look to you, God, for all that's needed as we move ahead. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.